Where am I going on my first trip in an autonomous car? I'm going to Disney World. All that and more on the special Energy and Industrials episode of Industry Focus. Greetings, fools. Sean O'Reilly here, joining you from Fool Headquarters in Alexandria, Virginia. It is Thursday, February 11th, 2016, and joining me to talk about big things going on in the industrial sector is... Vincent Shen, what are you doing here? (laughs) (laughs) How are you, Sean? Get out of here. You're not supposed to be here. I'm invading your other show. You are. Um, No, thanks for being here, continuing the... uh, What are we... Shake up? The remix week, remix whatever week, we've whatever, been referring yeah. to it as, yes. Um, so I guess this is going to be a merging of the energy industrials episode and consumer goods because all the products that we're going to be talking about are particularly consumer-facing. Yes, exactly. Um, so I've actually been really excited to talk about this for a while now because we don't get to do it enough, especially on the energy show. Um, we would do industrials more uh, for our listeners that are, of course, I'm sure curious, but there's so much stuff going on in the oil sector that we yeah. pretty much have to talk about it all I the can time. totally understand the past past year, year and a half. It's Yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, so we're talking first and foremost about uh, autonomous cars. Yes. Um, I desperately want one. I want to. I had a friend of mine. I went to college with him, and we were at a wedding and all this stuff. And we got to talking about autonomous cars. Um, and he actually brought something to mind that I didn't even think about, which was this could actually revolutionize just travel and distance between families and jobs and stuff because. Um, you know, both he and I uh, have our families in Ohio. We're here on the East Coast. He's up in New Jersey, your home state. And he said, you know, imagine being able to hop in an autonomous car, ride home to Ohio six, eight hours overnight, you know, just sleep in the car ride or something on a Friday night, and then, you know, go back home to your job and everything Sunday night. And you wouldn't, you don't have to fly. You don't have to, it'd be awesome. Oh, absolutely. So anyway, um, all this autonomous car stuff, driverless car stuff, it requires regulations. Yes. Um, we just got a big update there, yes. by the way. All right. So I'm really excited to talk about this topic. It's not something that we would usually cover out of you know our consumer show, of course. And before we uh, you know get into some of the companies and the technologies and like you know the innovation that's happening in this space, there's of course the regulatory framework. And there's a big update recently uh, being pushed by Google actually. So basically, um, you know Google obviously very well known for uh, pushing a lot of these self-driving car efforts. They've been petitioning the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration to basically reevaluate how it defines a driver. Uh, the idea being, while some companies are approaching the uh, self-driving cars where they're still giving it, you know, a steering wheel, brake pedal, things along those lines, where the uh, the riders can still operate the car. Google is envisioning it where there's none of that, and the car is truly it's literally just a pod or something. exactly. Yeah, and as a result. Uh, they wanted to petition the government to consider the fact that in those instances where there is no steering wheel and it's real, that person's just getting into the, this pod, like you mentioned, the drivers consider the software and not the rider. So I'm sure that um, what pop, just popped into our listeners' minds, because it popped into my mind immediately, was uh, what happens in the event of a fatality or something? That is it just an act of God, or is it just? I mean, what? So this is where uh, you know this is this is where I think a lot of uh, laws and rules are going to need to be uh, rewritten, exempted, waived, or just changed to try and catch up with the technology. Uh, you know, all this decision really came out is basically, you know, the the Traffic Safety Administration they agreed with what Google was petitioning if, wow. in this instance, but there's still a lot of work to do, obviously. And so, in those in those instances. 
uh, where you mentioned like there is a fatality, for example, that is ultimately the main focus of these companies where they see the benefits of these cars and this technology of uh, making driving safer, uh, reducing congestion, and also potentially having a lot of environmental benefits as well. And right. way more than actually as we get into it. Um, the thing is, there's going to be obviously a really long fight ahead to create all those exemptions, the exceptions, the necessary rules to to adapt for this. Um, but on that note, I will say that uh, Secretary of Transportation Anthony Fox, he commented earlier this year, um, I think it was at the auto show, the big Detroit auto show. Um, his department is really supportive of the this really? effort, okay. of this technology, and he will. Uh, he's uh, stated that he he would actually consider speeding up the process or even waiving some rules in order to help get these cars on the road, assuming they can pass all the safety tests and things along those. The lines. reasoning being that the benefits outweigh the potential downsides. Yeah, if the technology is proven and it can drive safely. Uh, you know, when you remove elements like uh, people being distracted mm-hmm. with texting on the phone or things along those lines, or just you know aggressive drivers, when you remo- can remove some of those elements. Well, even isn't it is it true that like I heard that like Google's autonomous cars that they've been testing or whatever, they've been in a few accidents, but they're all human error or on something? the other from the other party. Yeah, that's from generally the other what I heard as well. Stuff. It's like, well, if every car on the road is an autonomous car and they're all talking to each other, um, I mean, I would have to assume. Auto fatalities alone would go down like ninety nine percent or something. Mm-hmm. So okay. Um, so obviously, in answer to my question earlier, it sounds like they don't have the actual rules written for when a fatality happens. No, no, of course not. So this is just kind of moving in that direction where you can see that the that they are making some progress, and it seems like uh, you know, in terms of the institutional, like the government, they are supportive of these efforts, and they are generally trying to work with okay. automakers, technology companies, and kind of building out this technology together. So the conversation has begun, mm-hmm. wait and see, but if the government's on board, that's obviously bullish. Um, so even, I'm trying to remember, year as, lo- as, as long ago as a year and a half, two years, I read this article on Bloomberg, I think, and it was talking about how the CEO of Mercedes-Benz had actually been riding around in like rush hour traffic at 6 p.m. in Munich in the back of a driverless Benz. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh. Like, one, he trusts the car. Two, it went well. Um, and that was two years ago. So what companies are in on the game other than Mercedes-Benz? What are they seeing uh, as likely to happen? Sure. Um, I, I, you know, We talked about Google because they were petitioning uh, the, tr- uh, the safety administration, and they're usually a you know, one of the main players that comes to people's minds when they think about self-driving cars. They've been obviously pushing those efforts a lot. Um, but honestly, I think every automaker out there is thinking about it. this is going to be the next evolution or revolution for cars in that, you know, Kia, Ford, and like you mentioned, Mercedes, who I really want to talk about uh, in their concept car, mm-hmm. is envisioning this. So Mercedes has their F015. Um, and the, I highly encourage our listeners to go check out their website for this because it paints a picture, you know, broad strokes, but it paints a picture of some of the potential for what the these cars can look like. Is that how the car with the table and the four yep. swivel? Ch- okay, exactly. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, beyond like those those some of those uh, gains or the the benefits that we get from this autonomous car technology like you're avoiding things like DUIs you're avoiding things like you know being distracted on the road by uh, where people who are distracted on the road or aggressive drivers but 
you know, you might ease congestion as well. But the thing is, like, uh, it's just really interesting how these cars can really just change how we view even our daily commute. The idea being so, you know, infotainment systems of today would already be considered pretty futuristic and high-tech to drivers 20 or 30 years ago. Right. You know, we have access to things like GPS, Bluetooth calls, Spotify, Pandora. It's all there. Some cars even have a full iPad, like, built into the console. Right. You know, you take that to the next step, and if you're in the car before, you know, driving monopolized your attention, right? Hopefully, you're focused on the road, operating the car safely. If you don't have to do that anymore, now you are basically traveling in a giant mobile device. And that infotainment system becomes the centerpiece of what is going to be what you're going to be spending your time doing in the car a lot of the times. Right. And so you might be able to watch TV, play games, hold a video conference call for work, uh, you know, even work on like a presentation or something uh, as the While F-Zero riding to work. Yeah, exactly. Uh, as the F-015 kind of presents, they have a lot of screens in the car to interact with. Um, and, you know, admittedly, like I really like my very large phablet size smartphone, but in the end, I would take, you know, a large monitor and keyboard any day of the week. So, you know, that's some of the potential that, you know, the F-015 you can see inside, uh, with, you mentioned the front seats, they swivel around. So you can basically have four people sitting in a circle facing each other. It's really just really cool concept. And otherwise, um, you know, bringing this into the, I guess, more consumer-facing side. So, you know, of all these people who are saving time, like my brother, for example, he commutes an hour a day. So, 10 hours a week, that's time spent on the road. Now, Multiply if, that times a lifetime, and, you know, you got even. 80, 90 years on this earth at best. Exactly. Like- <laughs> and so, you take that and you expand it to the idea that, okay, so that time can now be spent, for, you know, with retailers browsing stores, shopping online. Uh, you can think about a company like Netflix consuming content from a lot of entertainment companies and, co- and content providers. And, uh, you know, it just really it shifts something that happens every day, like your commute from a, often a source of frustration, as a lot of people in the D.C. area will know. Why do you and, think I moved to Alexandria? <laughs> into a source of, you know, of relaxation or whatever, however you want to spend that time. It's pretty incredible. And you mentioned like overnight trips to visit family or for work or something. Yeah. Can you imagine such a thing? Exactly. You could, you know, we, we have a great uh, flexible work policy where you can telecommute a lot of times and you know, you'll know you sometimes duck out a little early on a Friday to go home to New Jersey or whatever. Um, imagine, you know, leaving at noon or not even coming in on a Friday and just Getting in a driverless car and popping up to see mom and, you know, get your laundry done or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, and bringing this down for the average person, too, uh, I found the I found that the average commute time in the U.S. is about 25.4 minutes. So call about an Double hour a day. An yeah. hour a day you're spending on the yeah. road, unless you're, if you're in a major metropolitan area, probably even worse than that, going into the cities. So I think most people would t- say, yes, I would absolutely like to have another hour to my day to, to do whatever, you know, in yeah. the car. Absolutely. Um so, how far along is this technology? Is this going to... Y- you kind of know what I'm getting at, because like in the 1970s, we were told we'd have moon colonies by now. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, of course, of <laughs> course. I understand. Um, you know, in terms of rubber meeting the road, um, right now, uh, one company that I feel is pushing the limits in terms of uh, what 
is possible with autonomous vehicles and kind of pushing the boundaries in terms of actually releasing these features and allowing uh, owners of their cars to use them is Tesla Motors. Uh, Tesla, through I think it's their Model S and their X, they have you know their autopilot, which has some really incredible features. Um, now that just works on the freeway right now. Yeah. So right? uh, just to give you an idea. You know, we have these sense. You know, a lot of cars are already released these days, where you have sensors that might warn you that there's something in your blind spot, or they might have like adaptive headlights. So as you turn, the right. headlights will adjust to 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 better illuminate your path. So I feel like the autopilot program takes that to the next level. So you have automatic steering. So as you mentioned uh, on the highway, for example, um, you can take your hands off the wheel and it will control it. It has cr- uh, this smart cruise control that basically um, uses the sensors to detect other cars and maintains its speed according to the traffic flow around you. And then it also has automatic lane changes. So if you're in that autopilot mode, you can just um, hit your blinker, and then once it's safe, it'll automatically change the next lane for you. It'll warn you if your car is drifting um, into another lane, for example. So those are some of the features that we're seeing right now. And with the release uh, of an update that Tesla pushed out last month actually it takes it to the next level and you know, a lot of that already sounds amazing but now they so have this is just a software update that got exactly wow so okay. of course you have to have the hardware that can you know basically right. run this auto but the sensors features. from what you're telling me are already in the car for like, certain models yes yeah yeah, yeah. and okay. if you're opted for that package but uh you know this update that was released uh last month is, it has this really cool summon feature so now we're getting into like parking and is this like the Batmobile in 1989's Tim Burton Batman? Okay, yes, close. Right. <laughs> I'm glad you just reminded me of that. Is in a way, in a sense, uh, the summon feature basically it'll allow you, it'll park your car for you, parallel parking or in a, like a perpendicular spot in a bigger parking lot. And it will, if you're there's some limitations. You're only supposed to use it like on private property, or and you can only use I think within order protect Gotham City with a, <laughs> exactly or within about 30 feet from the car but ultimately in tight spaces you can get out of the car for example you get into a really tight garage mm-hmm. and you can't open the door to get out you can get out of the car you know line it up hit a key fob or a smartphone oh app on gosh. your phone and it will pull the car in and then at the same time you can summon it so that you can be inside your house getting ready in the kitchen having your coffee hit a button it'll open your garage door to start your car back the car out close your garage door and be ready for you to go with the engine running at the moment you walk out your door. Wow. So, Which is handy in a blizzard. Exactly. And um, like I said, there's some limitations right now just around the laws about where you can use these. So again, it's private property. But um, you know, the CEO, Elon Musk, he has very confidently stated that... Did this happen just yesterday on the conference call? or uh, Actually, it this? may have been. But, okay. uh, yeah, but he stated that uh, eventually he's hoping summon could work on a coast-to-coast basis even where you could summon your car for, in New York from Los Angeles and oh, it'll make it across it. the country. Not only that, it'll know when to charge on the way and it'll even sync up potentially with your calendar and arrive right when you need it. Wow. So, you know, and he's saying that's within two years. A lot of other manufacturers, automakers uh, have put a, a timeline of around 2020 of when they really start seeing these cars hitting the road in smaller numbers. Google's even more bullish than that. But Again, it's just some of these incredible features just gives you an idea of uh, of what's on the horizon. It definitely seems, uh, before we move on real quick, that uh, the safety and the benefits really become prevalent when there's mass adoption. Mm-hmm. That seems to be the key. Yeah, of course. And 
you mentioned with some of these prototypes, I know it's a much smaller sample, but you know the accidents that there have been, from what I recall, were often you know human error, on the, right. either by the operator. I mean, they went like two million miles before it happened, and then it was human error. So exactly. Like, how long can you drive without an accident? You know, miles. Yeah, it's that's a very impressive result, and I you know I don't think these companies would be pursuing it if they they didn't see right. how well you know this technology is coming along. Cool. Okay. Well, before we move on to chatting about the current state of the 3D printing industry, I wanted to point our listeners to the newly redesigned Focus.Fool.com. There you can take advantage of a discount on Motley Fool's Stock Advisor newsletter that works out to $129 for a full two-year subscription. Once again, that is Focus.Fool.com. All right. So, Vince, for our special crossover industrial show... Uh, we want to talk about 3D printing. Yes. And uh, the industry itself has not been doing so hot the last 12 to 18 months. Unfortunately not. But I, again, I'm very, I'm pretty pumped to talk about this uh, topic just because I like how it is giving a lot of different players or parties essentially you know, access to manufacturing capabilities that previously they would not have been able to get. So in the, uh, for 3D printing... Uh, a lot of the uh, the bigger names have have uh, taken big hits over the past two years. And this is both because, as I understand it, there's two types of 3D printing companies. There's the industrial side, the more enterprise, the, industrial yeah. focus side. There's the consumer side. Some a lot of the companies will straddle. Okay, both yeah. sectors, um, and some whereas some will focus kind of trying to develop that expertise in, in one. But uh, some of the bigger companies like Stratasys, it's down ninety percent. The stock's down about ninety percent over the past two years, and they're more of an industrial player, as I understand it. Um, yeah, I believe they had some crossover, but uh, it's either Stratasys or Three Systems has has. I think it's actually three D Systems that has generally moved away from the consumer market. Got it. Um, but you know, Stratasys they posted incredible double and triple digit quarterly revenue growth for years. And then uh, products of the company stall. The most recent third quarter report had revenue falling 80% year over year for the first time in like many quarters. And it they're, they've just generally um, been dinged with kind of poor execution of their strategy mm-hmm. um, ex, uh, in terms of uh, integration with certain acquisitions has been difficult. Did the projections and the adoption of this stuff just not I think, meet, um, meet what they I think this was an instance where... Uh, there was a lot of hype kind of very early on in the development of the technology. And before there was a lot of, you know, the adoption issue wasn't as big as people had anticipated. But it's not like this is this isn't a groundbreaking right. okay. uh, movement in that regard. I still think there's tons of potential here. It's just that people need more time to basically see where the best benefits come around, where the profitability is is, is uh, coming in for them. But Stratus is, you know, they reported a $1.1 billion loss for the first nine months of 2015 versus a $120 million loss for the full year 2014. Ooh, so was that write-downs? Like, so that's not good. Three systems, they suffered a similar fate. The uh, stock crashed 90% over the exact same time period, really. And their third quarter revenue uh, fell 9%, breaking another multi-year streak of growth. Um you know they had a forty-four million dollar profit in twenty thirteen. That's and that swung to a sixty million dollar loss for the first three quarters of twenty fifteen. And then you have other players like Materialize X One. Again, similar. They've had similar issues, and uh, their stock has struggled as well. And a lot of them are just burning cash right now, right. trying to develop, get the uh, products out exactly. Wait for customers. So I think one. You know, in terms of the adoption thing, uh, one of the or some of the big issues with these printers are they're either too big, 
too expensive, too slow, or some combination of that. So they're uh, they haven't really moved beyond their typical uses, which include like a lot of prototypes, testing. Right. So um, as a result, you know, some of these companies are moving away from the consumer market, which is where a lot of the potential. Was yeah, I was kind of surprised because the 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 theory for a long time was I'd be able to go into Home Depot and get my own three D printer and. I don't know what I was going to do with that. I was probably going to make little action figures or something for my son. <laughs> but <laughs> um, so while the consumer side uh, hasn't been as promising, I, I think there are some companies that are seeing uh, promising results in the more industrial enterprise sector. So there's a Swedish company Arcam, for example. They uh, use this electro- electronic beam technology to melt metal powders into solid objects. I do not want. Okay, to so this is a, on the metal three yeah. D printing side. Okay. okay. And the thing is, the companies focus like on aeros- uh, on the aerospace industry, also medical devices as well. But um, they they are gaining some traction in aerospace with airplanes and engines, because General Electric, Pratt and Whitney, and Rolls Royce are all customers using these three D printed parts in their uh, products. And even like HP Inc., you know, typically considered the weaker of the two entities after right. the spinoff because they are kind of saddled with the slow growth or actually, actually declining, yeah. <laughs> you know, hardware business. Um, HP Inc. is kind of leveraging this technology too, where it's like, okay, well, ultimately, 3D printing, I think there's a, a nice runway to growth and that's going to be pretty rare for their business. So they're focusing on that. Right. They're using their multi-jet fusing te- fusion technology to hopefully create some ve- faster polymer printers for enterprise use. And then, again, on the institutional side, this was a really interesting story out of Singapore, where they recently announced that they want to consider using 3D printing technology for public housing. Wow. So they have... they're pop- quickly and cheaply get houses together. Exactly. So they have um, a lot of people in their city-state uh, that, that are in government housing. They have an aging population and they're trying to reduce their reliance on foreign labor just increase productivity overall and so what this idea they have is, is they're working with this 3d printing company that can 3d print concrete and the ideas build it room by room uh, floor by floor and then off-site and then bring it to the actual construction site and then assemble it there so while it's mostly focused on like the infrastructure they wouldn't be making like all the little right um, you the know, fixtures and exactly stuff, yeah but uh, in terms of the the, the main infrastructure the floor, of the building, yeah. exactly, this is something that they're putting you know millions of dollars into to research and test to see you know what potential is there for them, um, and you know, granted we have all that potential and these cool projects coming in out of the more industrial side. It's not like the consumer market is completely dead. Uh, in terms of uses, uh, I just kind of curious how people have been making use of the home print or the three D printers that they do own. Action figures, obviously, exactly. So you know, some people have are able to uh, use them for like their startup businesses. Like think about a company to make product like prototypes, Etsy, yeah. where you can make a prototype, but then now you can. And before, if you wanted to make jewelry or something like that, you might have to find somebody to to contract their facilities in order to ha- make these. It's uh, but now you can have what is essentially like a mini manufacturing, you know... That looks like a microwave. Exactly. (laughs) And it just... So on the startup side, it's really interesting, but also, even with, like, the gun industry, this could be something that's really big, not only in terms of some of the regulatory concerns, but also in terms of, like, product innovation, where uh, there's a guy who recently had... um, Videos on YouTube where it's like the, some people are calling it the first 3D printed like semi-automatic uh, <laughs> gun, and granted, there's it's not 
fully 3D printed. It's mo- uh, a lot of the main like parts that endure a lot of stress mm-hmm. when firing the gun are actually provided by Glock. Okay, but otherwise. You know, I think like some ninety-five percent of the parts yeah. are three D printed, and it just kind of gives you again an idea of how some of the how some people are like using this technology to innovate. And then, even uh, in another way, I was just thinking about is just parts for common household items. So that if you have like a desk right. and some part breaks off of it, you can go to the company site that made download that desk, the software, download the software, yeah. the, the, the what you know, the essentially the electronic br- blueprints for that part, put it into your printer and then replace it without having to wait in the mail pace you know and so again just really int- i think there's going to be a lot more uses to come out as adoption increases as different parties like use it and they realize oh wow this could really work in this way but otherwise um this is definitely a sector to watch uh, and especially on the industrial side because it seems to be having more success there cool all right if you're a loyal listener and have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Just email us at, at industryfocus at fool.com. Again, that's industryfocus at fool.com. And as always, people in this program may have interest in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear in this program. Vince, thanks again for your time. Thanks, Sean. We'll catch you later. And that is it for us, folks. Have a great day and fool on. Fool on.